It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Voice of Women in Sport. Welcome to The Sailing Show, the monthly podcast that will steer and inspire you along your sailing journey. I'm predominantly a big boat racer, having completed in three round-the-world races. I've worked shoreside with previous America's Cup campaigns and now with GP. I'll be chatting to a wide range of women within the sailing community, including Olympic champions, ocean racers, changemakers and up-and-coming champions. Whether you're aspiring to race around the world, compete at the Olympics or just needing a spark of inspiration – the Sailing Show will have something for you. Summer is here. You don't want to miss that majestic summer sunset, perfect wave or family picnic because you're stuck at home with ear pain. You can make a splash at that next beach party with Highlands homeopathic earache drops and tablets for natural relief or minor fever, ear pain and throbbing associated with earaches. After you've been diagnosed by a physician, Try Highlands homeopathic earache drops or tablets. Highlands has been trusted by generations to provide safe homeopathic medicines for everyone in your family. Earache drops are available at Walgreens. To learn more, go to highlands.com ear. That's H-Y-L-A-N-D-S, highlands.com ear. Claims are based on traditional homeopathic practice, not accepted medical evidence, not FDA evaluated. Always read and follow label directions. On this edition, Season 5, Episode 4 of The Sailing Show, I'll be zooming in on the topic of foiling sailing and chatting to two guests who have launched themselves into foiling, specifically with the WASP class dinghy. So foiling has literally taken off in the sailing in recent times. However, getting boats to fly above the water surface is simple in theory, but tricky in practice and has been challenging designers for over 100 years. But in recent years, one class has been key to the development of foiling in monohull sailboats, the moth class. There's been a huge amount of development in technology within that class, and it now is one of the leading racing foiling sailboat classes in the world today. 
Foiling is playing a key role at high-profile sailing events such as the Vendée Globe, the America's Cup and the Olympics. It's an aspect of the sport that will continue to grow with the advancing technology that is arising from the research and development made by the big race teams, which has and will trickle down into more accessible and affordable formats for mainstream sailing. And one such class that has borne out of the desire for an affordable mainstream one design foiling dinghy is the WASP. Now, if you're not familiar with the WASP, it's a foiling dinghy that first hit the water back in 2016. And I'm going to read an extract from their website, which describes the boat. The concept was for a foiling platform that enables closer one design racing, less complex rigging, affordable to all sailors while being accessible to the wider range of ages and weights, creating a culture that takes sailing into the mainstream. It certainly appears to be a strong, globally growing class, which appears fun, colourful and welcoming. So I thought I'd track down some girls who are sailing these boats. My first guest is New Zealander Elise Beavis, someone I had the pleasure of meeting during the 2017-18 Volvo Ocean Race stopover in Auckland. Elise is a keen sailor and current performance engineer with Emirates Team New Zealand. So Elise, thank you very much for joining me all the way from Auckland in New Zealand and you're currently working as a performance engineer for Emirates Team New Zealand. I'm happy to say that you're recently back out on the water following the the recent um, restrictions due to the COVID-19. I wanted to touch more a bit about your sailing background and perhaps just kick off with a bit about you, how you got into sailing and yeah, go from there. I think I was sort of eight or nine-ish and I was doing some ballet lessons after school which I thought was you know a great thing that you had to do as a little girl but um, mum was very overtaking me to that and I was no good at it anyway I wasn't that coordinated and stuff so she was sort of like oh you know any other sport you know any other sport it won't take as much time dragging the little brother around Um, and her father sailor and she windsurf but not competitively and reading the school newsletter saw a, a holiday course at Takapuna Boating Club so I went along to that and after day one I was pretty hooked I think. I'm not quite sure what we started on day one but I know definitely there's uh, there are some bursts which are I guess a bit like a older fashion 420 maybe um, where they could have the one coach with you know three of us little kids in so you know you weren't cast out to sea by yourself you're on a boat with some other people so I guess that made it not too scary and uh so then that holiday course there were other ones so I kept going back to those a few times until it got to the point where the lady who ran it said to my parents you know Elisa's learned what she can from this course you know it's time to get her her own boat so then my parents got me an opti and joined Murray's Bay Sailing Club which I mean there's yeah a lot of news at top New Zealand sailors and well-known ones have a connection went to the club and from there just sort of progressed through the stages in opti never did very well in sort of the last stages of opti so um like quite a few of my friends and stuff were getting these trips overseas and things but I didn't do that well in that but um after moving on from opti and into Starling which is a New Zealand class which is a really nice boat um, there's a lot more fiberglass ones now but there are a lot more wooden ones before and they've got a 
stayed reg and um yeah nice pointy bow and stuff so sort of took off I guess in terms of actually doing decently uh once I was in a starling <laughs> yeah a bit different to the uh bathtub of the optimist going into it <laughs> yeah yeah the old bailing and sailing became a less vital skill <laughs> and and you even you went um you were part of the New Zealand Olympics youth squad for a, a while is that right? yeah yeah so when I was 16 I went to Singapore for the youth Olympics so that was the first youth Olympics and there was boys and girls single-handed dinghy and single-handed well windsurfers only single-handed um and so I had I got the girls spot for the single-handed dinghy for that okay super and and then you went on to study engineering at university so was there a defining moment where you made that change in you know perhaps a career decision to say no I really want to pursue the engineering and, and work with someone like Emirates um, and you know was it was it a decision to take sort of move away from the hands-on sailing side? Yeah so I came back from Youth Olympics and then um, sort of with Yachting New Zealand's guidance transitioned sort of from Starling to Laser Radial and so I sailed Laser Radial uh, I guess pretty competitively all through the rest of school and and there was the Worlds in Brisbane halfway through my year 13, so last year of school. And coming home from that, there was a decision made to kind of pause sailing then and actually focus on school because sailing had been quite a hindrance maybe on exam marks because they always seem to be clinics or regattas the weekend before exams and stuff like that. So it's sort of, you know, there's three more months of school or whatever it was. Uh, we'll focus on that for now. And I guess through that time, I was sort of tossing up whether to sort of pursue the Olympic pathway or not. Um, But I think as I sort of thought about it more and time went along, I sort of realized that as an athlete, I'm not competitive enough. I just internally don't have enough drive to really want to win on the sporting field, I guess. And I guess it's quite good realizing that because I have seen a lot of other sailors, you know, continue on and not kind of quite made the cut. And I guess I didn't want to put everything into it, but think I wasn't good enough anyway and, or didn't have enough motivation to succeed and then sort of get halfway there and then not wasted years of my life, but maybe not spent them in the most effective way possible. So I used to sort of realize that I was more driven to excel academically than sporting. So yeah, that I guess drove me to take a pretty aggressive pathway through university, which then in hindsight has worked out really well because the time that I graduated uh, worked out really well for being able to get a job at Team New Zealand. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. A very wise decision um, as you said being yeah. able to that, that foresight and um yeah really just to sort of step away from and look at yourself from the outside in that's fantastic mm. yeah great that you've made a, a pathway for yourself in with with the, the role you, that you currently have now I'm particularly interested in the fact that you're 
sailing a wasp at the moment. So I want to hear about how you got into, yeah, foiling boats. Can yeah. you recall your <laughs> this on? <laughs> was it because yeah. of work, work was drawing you to have a go? So with the engineering degree in New Zealand, you've got to do 800 hours in industry as part of your graduation requirements. And so I did quite a lot of those at a um, engineering consultancy, which specializes in composite yacht design. Um, and so called Pure Design and Engineering. And so I, one of the directors there, he ordered a wasp really early on, like he's got the second one. And so that's when I first heard about the wasp and I was doing a tiny bit of laser sailing still during sort of that summer break from uni time, but very limited. And with how much effort you put in and how the lack of speed you get out and <laughs> um, I guess reward for the effort you put in, I was, yeah, I was pretty over that really. And a wasp sounded pretty awesome. And so I think he ordered his, a long time before he actually got it and only released but then after I think it was a year into my time at Team New Zealand um, they're, they're well into production a container load had already come into the country and so I sort of it wasn't a decision I took lightly but I decided to buy one and at that stage it was sort of pretty much all my savings um, so yeah it's I was sort of my baby when I got it and I guess it's like buying your first house or something you know you've put all all this money that you've you know spent time saving into it and then I actually had to go in someone else's one before my own one arrived like it was en route and yes yeah, so I had to go and Mark Orams's one he did a have a go day for a whole group of pretty much anyone who was interested and then yeah, mine turned up and I put it together and slowly taught myself how to sail it. Wow. And have you done that sort of on your own or with a group? So earlier on, it was very much sort of figure it out yourself here earlier on. Like there were a few people who had maybe some experience in a moth or had some knowledge and passed some of that on. But it was compared to all the sailing I'd done before where you got in a new boat and you had a coach shouting at you, more cunning and more bang, whatever. It was very much a figure it out, um, start using minimal controls, main sheet and tillers, enough to worry about to start with before you worry too much about any of the sail set up or adjusting for set up. And now here, because we've sort of got a bit more of a program going and there is, I guess, a good, base of knowledge among quite a few sailors it's a lot easier for new people getting into the class because there's a lot more people they can ask for help whereas yeah at the start it was a lot of figure it out <laughs> yourself which I guess is quite good because then in the end you understand it all but it's a I guess a slower learning process than being told what to do but do you think the fact that you have an engineering background do you think that helps understanding how foiling works or do you think is, you know could anyone take it on <laughs> I think anyone could I mean you get the boat in a box and you've got to assemble it all so I guess being methodical to put it all together right and uh, even at the early stage instead of just a page of instructions they had videos of it all so it was just 
watch the video, okay, think you know what you're doing, and I'll go back and check, rewind it, watch it again, so it was very good in that way to just over several evenings and maybe a weekend or something, slowly put it together, and but then I through that you are and where all the ropes run because there's a lot of hidden um, uptakes inside the wings and stuff. And then, I mean, because you've got the wand, it really just deals with the flying for you. It's, you're sort of back to explain. mainly just worrying about the main sheet and tiller. Just explain a little bit what the, the role the wand plays. Yeah. So the wand wants to go down due to gravity into the system but then the water as you're going forward is pushing the wand up so you have the the tip of the wand sort of bounces along the surface of the water and so if your boat's in the water the wand's nearly horizontal coming back and then if you're really high it'd be vertical and if you're right height somewhere in between then it's going to be on some angle between that sort of horizontal and vertical and through a series of linkages, that wand angle gets transferred back along through the bow and then sort of across a little bit of deck. Then a rod goes down the foil and that rod down the foil, it pushes the flap up and down. So a wasp or a moth or AC-75, their foils all work by having a flap on the back, so like an aeroplane wing. So you've got the main section and then you have the flap at the back. And so what happens with the moth and the wasp is when the, or there's various other boats also using, um, when, the, when you're low in the water and the wand's more horizontal, that's pushing down inside the fore the most and pushing that flap down, so like the air takeoff. Whereas once, as the boat begins to lift out of the water, the wand starts to drop down and head more towards vertical and that rod that's pushing down the foil now won't be pushing down as much allowing the flap to come up so yeah it's really a autopilot ride height with a mechanical sensor right okay that's brilliant <laughs> that's understandable isn't it yeah no i've got that <laughs> so you know heading out on this first trip and you know going from say someone that sailed a dinghy um and they want to transition into this foiling boat i mean what what's the big difference um you know between sailing your laser and sailing a a wasp in terms of what you actually do as a sailor or so i guess one thing is where i guess a displacement dinghy is you sort of sail it upright or you can sort of get away with sort of a constant slight lowered heel if you try and take off on a foiling boat with the lowered heel it just won't help you've got to have at a minimum be up otherwise have the rig rocked over on top of you at least with the wasp because it's a very narrow canoe type hull it's also very unstable when it's in the water so actually kind of getting off the beach is sort of the bigger challenge and once you're out in open water then it's sort of easier because then you can get going and take off and go I guess ideally you have someone who knows what they're doing. If you've got a new boat, check it and make sure it's set up right. Because if the boat's set up right, you'll literally, as long as you're upright or windward heel, you pretty much sheet on and the boat will take off. Whereas if it's set up wrong, then in terms of the flap angle, 
due to where the wand is, that could be completely out. So it might either shoot you out of the water and you'll get too high and crash down and get too high and crash down, or it won't take off at all because it's not providing enough lift. Okay, so <laughs> setup is definitely seems to be <laughs> very critical. And I, I think that's something I've heard a lot from speaking to Rob Greenall about the moth was that, you know, yeah. talking about what, what moth to buy. And he was saying that, you know, the, the, the range is huge and it, if you could get a well set up boat and it would just be a case of stepping in and going, but if your boat's not set up, then um, it obviously takes a lot of time and a lot of energy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The easiest way to have a first go would definitely be if someone who's competent sailed the boat out, you went out in a rib and switched out there and then it's definitely set up right for the conditions and you yeah. should just be able to jump in and go. <laughs> But that's not to say you can't figure it out and learn by yourself either. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm amazed that you've, uh, like, even getting it sort of down the ramp, launching, getting <laughs> in, getting off the beach, as you said. I think that's yeah. a fairly huge mission in itself. <laughs> um, and so I, th I think you've, you've pretty much nailed it. But in terms of recommending what anyone does, I mean, I think you've, as you said, it's, it's finding someone that's perhaps got one and... and having a go on one that you know is is set up um and um what else do i have i think we've covered off a lot of the technical points which is what i wanted to just to understand so any other top tips that you could add for someone that's looking to to start out and perhaps just where to look or what to do or anything that you would have done differently um not sure that to be really that much I've done differently. I mean, there's huge communities, whether it is WASP or any other foiling uh, on social media. So across various countries, they've all got their pages. Um, like with WASP, we've got our big New Zealand one, which ended up really big because we're one of the first countries to get a lot of boats. But then there's a big WASP nest, which is sort of UK and I think extends a bit wider Europe and stuff too. And um, so I think just, yeah, don't be afraid to contact someone. Like try and, if there's someone at your local yacht club, then that's obviously easiest to get in touch with them. But if you can just get in touch with the national president or whoever, they'll be happy to help. I mean, I'm actually the New Zealand WASP class president. And, oh, you know, the big thing for me is for my own sailing and racing to be better is for there to be more boats in the water. So it's in my interest to get other people having a go and maybe either getting people encouraging other people to buy to get hooked and buy new boats or to buy boats that are on the second hand market which are otherwise sitting in garages and not being used. So probably more so with moths, there's probably heaps just sitting out there being used and maybe they're not the latest and greatest, but you'll still get heaps of reward from going fun fast and, you know, it'll be lots of fun. <laughs> And you're now racing your wasp. So how how did that sort of how how long had you been sailing the wasp before you sort of took took the ball by the horns and said right I'm going to do the first race because that would have been yeah quite different. <laughs> well, it's quite different to all the sort of conventional dinghy and probably keelboat stuff too. And that normally you sort of need to master your boat before you go to a regatta, and you certainly want to be pretty good before you go somewhere internationally. Whereas the wasp has been really different in that you go to your first regatta, unsure of if you can make it to the start line, but 
you see, because there, I guess it's been a lot more teach yourself, there's a huge amount you can learn by simply going to a regatta where there's other boats and talking to people, even if you end up just going out and sailing a bit by your own, on your own and then coming in. If you're then, you know, got someone who's more experienced to look at your boat before you go out and talk to them afterwards about the challenges you've faced, that's pretty much one of the best learning opportunities there is. Um, and a really cool thing they've done with the scoring for wasp regattas is they do what's called a Grand Prix finish. So typical courses to windward lewards. But what they do is they take placings at the bottom gate also. And then if you get lapped, you just finish after one lap. So because you lose so much if you capsize or capsize five times, then, you know, you, you don't have a chance of sort of finishing in the time limit. But it's really cool because it still means you get a placing, mm. which, you know, is really encouraging when exactly. <laughs> you've got a place <laughs> and, you know, actually half the fleet's capsizing a whole lot. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, when the, not the summer just been, but the one before that, there was the WASP Games in Perth and, you know, there's pretty big range of abilities there and quite a few people only finishing one lap, um, you know people who manage to do their first falling jive while they're there and stuff like that it's yeah you don't have to be an expert to turn up to events which is pretty cool yeah I get that impression from the class in general that it's a very welcoming um class and, and more about mm. uh, the taking part as in um than so much all about the winning so no that's great I mean really interesting to hear what you've had to say and and fantastic <laughs> to hear about your little journey with the wasp and and where you are now so again thank you very much for joining me and we wish you all the best with your future with emirates and good luck for the lead up to america's cup thank you and there's one little plug i should get in here which is next year so april 2021 we've got the wasp games in new zealand in auckland so a few weeks after the America's Cup ends, there's Wasp Games is here. Right. Good to <laughs> <laughs> for the listeners. Okay. Yeah. Hopefully we will see you there and yeah. Hug. <laughs> Thank you. Cool. Thanks very much, Lise. No problem. My second guest today is Hattie Rogers. Hattie has very recently started sailing the Wasp out of my hometown on the south coast of the UK. Hattie has been a keen sailor since a young age, most recently sailing the 29er skiff with the British Youth Squad. So let's hear from Hattie and her experiences with the Wasp dinghy. Hattie happens to live in the same town as me on the south coast of England, uh, Lymington. And uh, just prior to lockdown... Hattie had recently got into sailing the wasp and so I'm really keen to hear from you Hattie about all of your experiences uh, leading up to the wasp and why you chose it and how you found the whole foiling experience so first of all thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Great no problem and happy to hear, hear, you, hear more about you so first of all kick off with a little bit about how you got into sailing and your, your sailing career. So okay so um, I started sailing Contessas when I was very young, so that's the kind of family business. And uh, so I really started sailing from, well, from dock, really. <laughs> and um, so I went into oppies and all, like, I did all of the junior programme from the age of nine. 
um, until I was 15. So I did um, multiple international events and um, I was actually uh, double, so I was a two-time um, girls national champ. Um, and then I decided to go into the 29ers because they looked really fast and fun. And I think the double-handed um, partnership, I was really excited to try because uh, obviously Oppie sailing is on your own. Um, and so, I mean, the, I think in 29ers, I, so we were top girl boat in 2017. So we went to, well, we meant to go to the Youth Worlds, but my crew actually broke her ankle just before going. So, um, and then after the 29ers, it was really, so I went, I'm at Southampton Uni now. So it was really, um, deciding what I was going to do with my sailing next. So I could either go for the keelboat um, route or I could do some Olympic sailing. So the natural progression from the um, 29ers is the FX. Um, so, but I decided to do the keelboats because they look really fun and it was, I mean, all of the events really happen in August. So, and there's quite a lot of catch, um, clashes with the Europeans and the world being August. So last year it kind of allowed me to do Cows Week and do do um, like nationals and it was it was just so much fun. And then I did some offshore sailing last year as well. So I did the fast net on ascent with my family, which was uh, I've never done offshore sailing before. So uh, that was a completely different experience to the kind of sailing round circles we're used to being at sea for a few days or how did you find it we were on the slowest boat in the fast net so or one of one of the slowest boats so i think everyone had got to the beer tent before we'd even rounded the rocks so um yeah it was definitely a new experience and uh it was so lovely doing it with my family because uh i mean i think a lot of the big boats you're in teams and like with your friends but um but it was really special because obviously it was the um 40th anniversary of the 1979 uh fast net so we kind of did it for that as well um but yeah it was, it's great but now i'm i'm sailing the wasp so it took me a year i did a, a kind of test test fly uh about 18 months ago and i wasn't sure whether i was going to go foiling or not because uh, the boats are quite expensive, but um, yeah, I decided to get one in March. So I mean, pre-lockdown, so I haven't been able to sail it that much, but it's great. What was the initial draw to go foiling? I think because it's just a completely different form of sailing, and it's so pure. Like it's it's just so fast as well. It just looked so much fun, and everyone's so friendly. So. It just, um, and also it's, it brings together a lot of the, the youth classes again, because I mean, not everyone wants to do the Olympic route and a lot of my friends that are doing it at the moment are at uni. So um, it just means that uh, we can still sail and have fun. Um, and it's such a competitive class as well. So you don't lose that either. Um, right. Okay. And so I think you, you said you started off by doing a, a tri-foiling I believe was that at Weymouth at the so no it was actually in in Lymington so the wasp class has um a boat so Duncan Heppelwhite um 
runs it around the UK and if you want to go you can kind of just um, just message him and he'll bring it to you basically but I think mainly out of Weymouth it happens. Um, okay and so after that first go I mean I'm guessing because you've now got a wasp it went okay or what can you remember that first trial session? Uh, yeah it was quite windy actually so it was um, yeah I, don't, I actually don't think it went very well I don't think I well, I got foiling, but only really on a reach, so. Right. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, it was great. It was so much fun. So yeah, I decided to get one. Right. Okay. And had you done any more training before you made your purchase or you, was that just the one, one hit wonder trial? <laughs> well, yeah, and I think, uh, so there was obviously that test, uh, test run 18 months ago, but I kind of been um, thinking about it. I sold my 29er. So that um, obviously helped as well as the student loan. But uh, yeah, so I think I saw a lot of my friends go down the foiling route and it's also all the social media. So um, Wasp is, well, I mean, it's, I think it's only been running six or so years. So, I mean, it's really new class. So they've got all the social media now and the Wasp games and all the Aussie and New Zealand sailors, like just yeah. looks so much fun. So I just yeah. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And and how have you found learning to sail it? You know, now that we're what you've had it uh, only what a month before we <laughs> down. But um, I mean, how have you found it? Has it been relatively easy to grasp, or has it been? Um, I mean, it is a completely different form of sailing. It's just, um, I think. It's, it's a lot more physical, I'd say, than any other boat that I've sailed. I mean, I think it's quite similar, especially downwind, to helming a 29er, um, especially in the waves. Um, so that's definitely helped. But I think, um, I mean, it's still, I mean, it's just that you're a metre up in the air, really. <laughs> but, uh, but it's a lot more to do with balance. Like, 29ers are so tippy as they are. But, um, but yeah, it's just a new level of tippiness. <laughs> <laughs> and have you managed to nail your first foiling jive yet or is that still to come? <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I did my first couple of foiling jibes. So I didn't quite manage it before lockdown as I only had, I had two weekends uh, training. Um, but we've been out over the last two weeks um, and yeah, no, I've done some foiling jibes. Oh, it's just so nice when you when you get it through and you get the feeling like, oh, it's just so nice. I can imagine, yeah. And I mean, Livington of all places is not the easiest to get in and out 
of the hole. <laughs> like for people that don't know it, it's relatively narrow. Um, it's quite shifty with the breeze coming through the marinas. And yeah, you've got a bit of a wiggle to get out until you're in sort of open water. Yeah. How have you coped with that, getting in and out? Is there? It's, it's definitely been interesting, especially at low tide, because there's quite a small uh, channel you've got to kind of tack up or jibe down, and they're not the most manoeuvrable boats. But um, actually, there's... Uh, so if at any stage you don't want to foil, you can just take the pin off. And it's just, it, I mean, it's like you, you just low rise. So when you're down on the water, um, but so that's a little bit easier to control. So you can actually choose not to foil, right. um, oh, okay. which, which is good. <laughs> that would definitely make life a bit easier for getting in. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess mm -hmm. what's your goal in terms of sailing the moth? Are you aiming to get to one of the wasp events or is there a you know a championship in mind or what's the target if any well obviously we don't have many events this year mm -hmm. um due to covid and everything going on i think they're trying to hold a nationals potentially in october um but the main goal was kind of new zealand and the wasp games so that's happening in i believe auckland yeah. um it was meant to be in April, but um, they're talking about potentially moving it or downgrading it to, a, I think it was a Pacific, um, a Pacific Championships, because obviously not everyone wants to travel probably after COVID and like getting down there. Um, but we, we were just talking about this in our AGM. We had it uh, last Thursday. So potential kind of Europeans and where they'll happen next year. But um, I, think, I think the main goal is just getting getting good at foiling over the summer and um i've got so me and ed higson have set up an instagram page so there's various instagram pages around uh around the world so the new zealanders and aussies kind of started it so it's so it's um pairing up with another wasp sailor and you can challenge other other teams it just makes it a little bit more fun right oh that's so. really interesting okay yeah no it's great and it, it really I think, I mean, obviously we've only just set ours up, but I think it will kind of, um, it will mean that contact around the world and kind of um, keeping up to date with like where everyone is, because it's such a new class that, that kind of, we're, we're learning as much as, uh, as much as we can. And like, it's so nice seeing everyone, although it's like, obviously on social media. But I get the impression with the, the wasp plants that it is very, inclusive it's very fun and i think completely elise was mentioning something about the course system where you know even if they score you at different points around the around the track so even if you're sort of dead pan large i think um we were actually just talking about this so the um i don't know if it happens or i, I haven't actually done an event yet so i'm not entirely sure but um i believe you only have to do a lap to get a race result so even if it's like two or three laps, the actual course, um, they'll score you. Because obviously, um, if you come to an event, not everyone's brilliant at foiling. Um, and it's all about learning. And it's just so inclusive. Like you can, especially in the UK, I don't know about the other countries, but they were saying in the AGM, like they want to get people out foiling. And even if you don't complete the course, you'll come and learn so much. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the it's all about getting out there and, and getting yeah, out there. Exactly. And so 
for anyone else that's listening that wants to get involved or wants to try boiling, I mean, what, looking back on what you've learned, what tips or tricks or any recommendations for people? So I think boat setup's a big one. So, um, so we have um, a ride height adjuster, which basically controls how high you're riding. And, um, and then also the one setup, so you want to make sure you've got your full range. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's the little bits like that that obviously we're not used to saying a displacement kind of hull, and it's just all so new. So I think also, because um, I did the class training in March, so Wasp UK sets up all of these class trainings, mainly in Weymouth, actually. But I think it's just about kind of asking people that have sailed the boat for a bit longer than you. And like everyone's so friendly. So, I mean, they're always keen to help. And just getting someone to kind of check you're on the right lines and um, also, <laughs> also bungs. So making sure you know exactly where all the bungs are and making sure they're tight. Because um, <laughs> the first time I went sailing in Portland when I got my boat, um, so <laughs> it was a second, so my boat's uh, about a year old and it came with no bungs and I sat in Portland Harbour capsized thinking, why can't I get this up? Because I had so much water in my boat. But I think just locating bungs and just um, kind of getting a good feel of the boat before you go you go out. Yeah. Um, it's really key. Yeah, I think uh, it seems like it's a really uh, easy to sort of tag along or, or find someone who's already out there doing it and, and tap into their knowledge. And it seems like there's a lot of people out there willing to help and yeah. get you involved. Yeah, there's, there's lots of people joining the class as well. So in Limington, I know that um, there's, there's seven boats now, which is fab. So, I mean, we all just go out together and if we're unsure on something, we just ask and kind of, it, I think it's going to be really good. Um, the, the fleet's just really growing, so. Yeah, well, let's hope, fingers crossed, that we can uh, start to see more and more events come online now that the restrictions are lifting. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's, let's see. Well, that's been great. I mean, it's been really interesting to hear how you've, uh, you've learned to, to foil and all your, your little tips. Thank you very much for joining me. And I look forward to seeing you out on the water in Lewington and elsewhere. <laughs> let's hope. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thanks, Hattie. Well, that concludes this episode of The Sailing Show, where we've heard from Elise and Hattie sharing their experiences of foiling sailing. If you've enjoyed the show, please subscribe and share this episode if you know someone who would benefit from listening. Please continue to follow The Magenta Project on our website and social media. And to keep up to date on women's sports in general, not just sailing, check out Wisp Sports online and social media. Thank you for your time. I appreciate you tuning in.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.